Welcome to the HR Hub. I'm Andrea Adams, and today we're going to talk about retention, exploring the role of managers so we can set up those managers for success. Keep listening to learn about this or subscribe to the show to learn about all kinds of things related to HR. You can also find me on YouTube. Today, my guest is again, Kara Saletto. Kara is the Chief Retention Officer for Magnet Culture, and she regularly speaks at conferences about retention. She's written a book about retention, which is called Staying Power and is in her background. She's also been called a game changer by Workforce Magazine. Hi, Kara. How are you? Hello, hello. Good to talk with you again. Well, thanks for thanks for being here. So we're talking about managers today. Remind us why people, primarily why people leave or stay at an organization. Sure. So I would argue as a retention expert that managers have the most influence on whether people stay or go because mm-hmm. there is schedule issues, pay issues, team conflict issues. A really great manager can often buffer that scenario and okay. get that person to stay longer by finding a compromise, training them more properly, or supporting them in whatever ways they need uh, to create that better place to work. Mm-hmm. You specifically use the words stay longer. So let's also review what is our ultimate goal with respect to retention? Sure. So we're not going to keep people forever. (laughs) Let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah, we don't want to keep some of them forever. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's true, too. But um, I will say that average length of tenure tends to be shrinking, whether you're seeing one to two year people stay 90 days or you're seeing five to 10 year people stay two years instead. Um, we just don't have those long term benefits that used to keep people for for years or even decades. Like most clients I work with don't have a pension anymore. And honestly, even if you did offer a pension, no one under 40 believes you. <laughs> so uh-huh. I think they're ever going to see those dollars that are promised to them. Um, because in the news, we see that companies go under or they get yeah. out or it's underfunded over time and, and things like that. So we just have a different employer-employee relationship now. And we have to realize that it has to be mutually beneficial at all times. And the moment that the company doesn't need that talent anymore, they're going to let them go or cut their hours. And the moment that an employee doesn't think it's a fit anymore, they're going to walk away and go to a new opportunity. So if we focus on creating that mutually beneficial opportunity, then we can keep people longer by listening to them and really making sure that that fit uh, stays a fit as long as we want them to stay. Okay. So what are some misconceptions about the role of managers? Are there any? Well, I would say the role of manager has significantly changed in the last 20 years because now we're asking most managers to be productive in their role and not just to manage other people. So I'll give you an example. My mom was a corporate accountant and she was what was called a frontline leader. She was over five staff accountants 
And she was still a staff accountant herself. She wasn't really in management, but she was the frontline leader for that those other five folks. Well, at that company, they gave two to three weeks of paid time off, and her team had been there a long time. So all five people had three weeks of PTO a year that they could use. So right there, that's 15 weeks of PTO that had to be covered by somebody. And it wasn't going to be the manager. It was going to be the frontline leader that was going to fill in for that. So my mom was given maybe 25% of everybody else's workloads that she had to get some of the reporting done and do her own work. But she had 75% of her time to go to the departmental meetings and learn what her team needed to hear. She had that time to then fill in for everybody's paid time off when they were gone. If they lost somebody, she filled the vacant role, she hired the new person, and she would train them until they were fully productive. And then after, I think she was in that role for five or six years, and then this corporate group decided to eliminate the frontline leaders and said, we don't need to do that. We need all of our accountants to be 100% productive all the time. We don't need somebody on payroll that's only 25% productive is what it looked like, right? That she only had 25% of the workload they had as far as the, the productive outcomes. And so as soon as they eliminated that position, now she was able to go to a different department at that company. She got hired in a different department. But then those five accountants... They were furious because now they have to work overtime because they were all salary. They had to work overtime to absorb each other's paid time off. Mind you, that's 15 weeks a year that they have to help each other. And if somebody quit, they had to work overtime until their manager, who now had 30 direct reports, because this was a person multiple layers in, right? Until they had time to interview and hire and bring on somebody new and they weren't in a rush because they weren't doing the job. So they had weeks of stalling and waiting and filling that role. Do you, you sense the frustration, right? <laughs> it's like, so the company thought that it was a good idea to get rid of that supervisory position and, and do more with less, right? We've got to be lean. Yeah, it actually backfired because three of the five people then left within 18 months of that strategy, that that structural change in the team, because they said, this is ridiculous. I, I shouldn't have to pull overtime just because my colleague is going on vacation and I shouldn't feel bad taking my own vacation because it burdens my team. So that's just one of those things I've seen change over the last 20 years is that now there's no cushion. There's no mid-level management or assistive yeah. to fill that in, right? It's it's crazy. So, but organizations are challenged just by the market. They are challenged to do more with less. How do we, like, do you have any bright ideas of how to go about, you know, finding those dollars to remain competitive in your marketplace? Sure. So if if we think much bigger picture, this goes outside the realm of what most HR pros can get involved with. But we do often care more now about shareholders and about the stakeholders of the organization. And we know that executive pay has 
skyrocketed in the last 20 or 30 years. And then we say things like that of like, well, where are we going to get these dollars from? And how are we still going to hit our numbers? And I've seen lots of industries that I do business in, their margins are not what they used to be. And, and to some extent, we have to accept that. Now, there are innovations and automation, and there are some ways to be more efficient, but we cannot just keep asking people, do more with less, do more with less, do more with less. I, I explained that as kind of a pendulum that we swing, and now we have swung the do more with less pendulum as far as it could possibly go. And the employees now are saying, no more. I cannot do more with less. And in fact, that's where we got last year's phenomenon of quiet quitting because employees said, I am not going to keep doing more with less. I am simply going to do my job and do the best I can. And I'm not going to stress over these out of whack expectations anymore because it's just not even possible. It's not sustainable. So with a lot of executive teams that I work with, I have to talk about the sustainability of their business model and of their profit margins. And some of them say, oh, we can't raise prices for our customers. We'll lose customers. But if everyone in the industry is saying that, then everyone, it's time for everyone to then increase those prices um, in order to create a more sustainable model if that's what it takes. Um, so we're gonna continue to see price increases over the next several years as industries realize they it's their only option to keep up. And I'm not saying that's the best thing or the only thing, but but I'll tell you my clients right now, they're all, they're all planning on uh, price increases on their products and services because of the labor costs going up and the difficulty um, to, to manage that situation. Uh-huh. So if we're thinking about managers here, what are some, the key competencies they need to have aside from time, but that's not a competency, right? Uh, what competencies do they need to have to be retaining their employees well? Yeah, so I would say our number one request for training right now is emotional intelligence. Okay. It's been shown over and over that High EQ is a success factor for leaders. If you can read the room, understand different styles, you can pick up on, you know, the facial expressions and emotions that people are having, that you can then show empathy um, when people are stressed, they are frustrated, and that you can jump in to help people get through those difficult times. I'm seeing a huge uptick in a concern and support for mental health issues of our team and our workforce as well. So really being able to identify those situations and being able to support or find supportive resources for team members that, that are struggling. Um, and again, I mean, I, I know it's a 101, but the listening skills, uh -huh. if we are constantly just thinking about what am I going to say next and how am I going to communicate this out? Well, how are you receiving information? Are you stopping long enough to really listen uh, to your people as well? Because honestly, sometimes that's all an employee wants. They just want you to listen. They just want to be heard and they don't even care if you fix it. 
they just want to get it off their chest and tell you how frustrated they are or overwhelmed they are or tired they are or whatever it is. And they want you to show that listening and empathy and understanding of their frustrating and overwhelming situation. So those are, you know, on top of basic competencies of technical skill set to do your job and yeah, the communication. Um, I think those are some other competencies that I'm seeing really take the forefront right now. Okay. So on the flip side of that, at an individual level and not sort of organizational practice, but individuals, what can a manager do or sorry, what are some two to three terrible management practices that are almost guaranteed to drive turnover? Ooh, okay. Good one. But so... What are some ways to drive people away? Yes, that's the question. Yeah. Say things like, because I said so. That's why. Have you actually say that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I still hear people say that because they are not. The alternative to that is explaining the why. If people ask you, why does it matter that I show up on time? Why do I have to wear this uniform or why do I have to have my camera on for our Zoom calls or why whatever it is that people are pushing back on, a good manager should know the why behind that and not just because the because I said so. Or more often what I'm hearing is because the policy says so or because corporate says so. And then that mid-level manager is not filling in the gap. They just say, I don't know, it's because corporate says so. And that's their easy out for for the why, when really the employees want to know why. <laughs> why do we have that policy? Why did corporate say so? Why does OSHA or HIPAA or any other regulatory body, why is that a rule? Because um, sometimes they, they don't understand why that has even been set as a rule or regulation. So that's a big one, the because yeah. the policy says so. That's one. Um, Another big no-no is not thanking people enough. Oh. So if, if you have that, I, I still see managers who have that mindset from the 1900s that says, I am not going to thank you until you go above and beyond because I will not praise mediocrity and I am not going to thank people for showing up when that's why they get a paycheck. Not going to happen. Oh, man, do I ever hear that all the time? If we bring that old school approach in, you are going to lose a ton of workers. Um, so hopefully, HR pros, you don't have any managers at any level that are doing these things, right? <laughs> that's the key is making sure this is not happening uh, out in the field or on the floor or anywhere. Um, because if they do not show appreciation, I mean, where can people go to get a paycheck now? Anywhere. So they absolutely have to show appreciation. Leaders at every level in the HR team have to show that appreciation. And sometimes they'll say, well, I want it to be genuine and I don't, I'm not going to thank them for showing up. Well, that's when I get the managers. I have this great, great piece in our workshop where I make them dig way down deep, way, way down deep and find, because they all have it, even 
it may be super deep, but it's there to find the gratitude that they mm -hmm. have for the people who actually show up and do their job. Even if that's all they do, they show up and they do the job and nothing extra. But we are as employers and as leaders and uh, bosses, we are absolutely grateful for the people that show up and do their job. So I try to recalibrate the the thank you and appreciation meter on some of the managers who still have more of an old school mindset. Um, and it's it's time to evolve with the workforce and really start to appreciate people on a regular basis. I love that. That so echoes uh, an episode I did about recognition. And she said, and she was saying, recognition is the, what well, part of the solution to the turnover. And now you're saying the same thing, but just from the other angle. So there you go, people. Uh, recognition. So what is the HR's role in recognition? So I do think because the managers are so busy with their own jobs, their own meetings and responsibilities and conflict on the team and everything else, I think anything that HR can do to support the managers in these tactics. So it may sound simple or elementary, but can you send reminders? Can you put reminders on their calendars or um, or remind managers to set, set kind of challenges and goals for them to thank one person every day this week for a very specific thing that you appreciate about them? And you can kind of set those healthy competition type challenges or mm -hmm. just send daily or weekly reminders to those managers because they're moving a million miles a minute in all different directions, just like you are. <laughs> but you may be able to bring a little bit more structure to appreciation and other communication mm -hmm. tools too. You know, that extends to other other things about checking in genuinely with your people and um, tools to reduce conflict on the team. HR can usually help kind of feed some of those tools and tactics and reminders out to the managers in the middle of all the fires that they're fighting. What metrics should HR be reporting on with respect to uh, turnover? So most companies are tracking their annual turnover percentage, right, of how many people left versus the total number of employees. And some of my clients, it's as low as 10 or 20%, but that's still a lot for them. And other clients with lower wage frontline workers, they have 120% turnover because the same positions turn over five times in one year sometimes. So um, so that annual turnover percentage, it's good to know that. And uh, certainly you'll want that on your metric scorecard. But another thing that we encourage you to do is we separate our workforce into two different buckets. One we call the trees. These are the deep-rooted folks in the organization, and they're much less of a flight risk. They could get poached or they might retire. Um, they could burn out. Sometimes that happens, but most of the trees in the organization have been there a while. They're not probably looking for another job and, and likely to go anywhere. Then the newer hires are the roles that we consider a revolving door, okay? So you've got your trees, you've got your revolving door, 
And your revolving door, some companies, it's 30, 60, 90 day revolving door. Other companies, it's more like a two to three year or three or four year revolving door. But those people used to stay 10 years and now they don't stay near as long, right? So whatever your revolving door is, the calculation is this. Take the trees out. Take the people who've been there a lot longer than everyone else. Take that out of your calculation because they are probably skewing your calculation of turnover because the revolving door might be getting faster and faster every year. But because you've got a whole lot of trees over here, it's not showing up as a very big number in your turnover. Instead, I want you to pull the last five or 10 years if you can, but definitely pull the last five years of hire dates and termination dates, okay? Mm -hmm. And figure out the average length of tenure for each of that year's new hires. So five years ago, what was the average length of tenure for the people that you hired five years ago? Then four years ago, what was the average length of tenure for those folks? Three years ago, two years ago. And what most of the organizations I work with, what they find is the average length of tenure is shrinking. And those people are not staying five or 10 years. They're staying one year, two years, three years. And it's and it continues to get smaller. So if you start calculating it that way instead as what is our average length of tenure, then you can attack the real problems of, okay, why are these people leaving after only six months or after 18 months or whatever those magic numbers are for you? And you can get much more pinpointed on on the strategies and the tactics to keep people longer through that dip that particular dip in their tenure. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gives me food for thought. Okay, so there's going to be people out there that are like, some of this is resonating. Um, where can they learn more? Sure. So I have the book Staying Power, as you mentioned. Yeah. It's yeah. available on Amazon, Kindle, Audible. Um, I am on LinkedIn as Kara Celeb. Okay constantly posting updates about the workforce market and retention strategies. And if you go to magnetvault, V-A-U-L-T dot com, that's our hidden page of downloadable retention resources. And you're wired to go in there and we've got all kinds of downloadable tools and templates, cost of turnover worksheet, all kinds of fun stuff. So hopefully something in in the vault will also be a good resource for you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to check that out. All right. Well, thanks, Kara. I'm reflecting on this compression that we're seeing in the workforce of uh, doing more with less and in particular asking managers to do more with less. I'm going to reflect on that and see how that's playing out with some of my clients. But we have reached the end of this episode. Thanks for listening out there. We'll catch you next time when I talk with another insightful guest.